0: Even if you've experienced postpartum depression or been close to someone who has, you may not realize exactly what it can look like or how it differs from the baby blues. The symptoms actually go beyond the stereotypical ones that you commonly hear, and Briarly touches on that and shares some of her own experiences with postpartum depression.
1: In today's episode, we're talking all about what new mothers or people who are supporting new mothers need to know, including how physical changes and ailments can play into that depression. Carolyn, I am really excited about today's episode because we are talking about postpartum wellness with a little bit of focus on postpartum depression. And as I've talked about before on the podcast, like I suffered from postpartum depression after my first daughter was born. In hindsight, I feel like I probably had some postpartum anxiety after my second daughter was born. Um, but either way, it's it was really... Uh, fun, which sounds kind of weird, but it was fun to kind of dig into the statistics, to dig into the research, and just revisit this topic because it's something that I've really been passionate about for many years.
0: Yes, I know you've wanted to do this episode for a while because of your experience, which you've shared with me, and I have to be totally candid. I realized that until I really learned about your experience, and you really are the only friend or person who shared you know a lot of the details of your experience Um, until I really learned about your experience I didn't necessarily classify postpartum depression in with the category of mental health issues like depression and anxiety and and bipolar you know just ADHD I didn't put it there because it was like this thing you can sometimes get, but then it goes away, you you know, and I, I feel kind of guilty now after learning about your story that I,
1: that I looked at it that way. Well, but that makes sense because it is something that, you know, historically, or maybe not historically, but it is something that when you read about it, it, it feels like it is. It's a, it's for a finite period of time, right? And it's, it's easy um, as an outsider or even as someone who's you know let's say recovered from it mm-hmm. to say like it will get better and in most cases it does it doesn't always but also it you know that it doesn't necessarily validate how somebody's feeling at the time right That's I guess the hard there's part. not as much and this is really harsh
0: to say but there's not as much concern from maybe our society for people who have postpartum because you know they're going to. Either it's going to get really bad, and they're going to get significant help that they need, or it's they're going to oh they're going to have a really tough time. Maybe I'll take her an extra casserole or two. I know she's going through a tough time, but she'll get over this hump.
1: Right, right. You know? And I think that depending on your healthcare provider, that it can be taken lightly, almost too lightly, and it can also be taken very seriously. So I have a really good friend who um, yeah. How did you know? Well, you had it, or was it obvious? It was not obvious to me. It really wasn't. Um, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it was not obvious to me at all. Um, My mom actually was the one who took me to one of my follow up appointments uh, for like my OB appointment, and she had said, you know, you need to, you need to tell your doctor how you've been feeling and what is, is going on with you. Now, also part of I knew that I was like sad and I didn't have much of an appetite. Like I realized that, but I, because my daughter had was born with some medical issues, I kind of just pushed it off as, as that. So I told my OB, she was incredibly receptive and she was like, here, give you a script for Zoloft. Great. Awesome. So I left and I got the script for Zoloft and I filled it. And she told me it would take a few weeks for it to really kick in. And, et cetera, et cetera. There was no talk of talk therapy. There was no let's discuss more of like what your support system is. Um, and and so in that sense it felt like it was a little bit of a, oh we see this this is common here's your here's your prescription, here's your prescription. This, will fix things. this is gonna fix things and then we'll you know we'll move on. I have a friend who suffered from a very, very serious case of postpartum depression. And um, somebody that identified it, I can't remember which practitioner um, in her like medical team identified it, but it was while she was pregnant. She was going in for like something else that was going on, whether it was like a neurologist for migraines or it was something along those lines that it was not like an OB type person. And just based on her symptoms that she was having while she was pregnant, he was the one who predicted that she was going to be in really bad shape
2: um, when her
1: her baby was born. And sadly, that did come to fruition. Um, And she's in a much better place now. But anyway, I I think that some people are – some practitioners – Take it a little bit more seriously. Like he went so far to tell her and to make sure that the, like the message got passed along for lack of a, a oh, better Oh, Wow, that's phrase. great. Um so I'm with you. I think that, that because it is finite, um or it can be finite, I shouldn't say it is, that it's it's sometimes viewed through a different lens than as less serious. Than like uh straight up like depression, anxiety, yeah. You know, bipolar.
0: Well, I have to be honest in that I really watched myself closely because I felt like I would be very prone to it. I don't know why. Just maybe personality, but I don't know. Um, but I did not have it, um, which you said kind of surprised you now that you know me. <laughs> but it surprises me, too. But, um, it, you know, it's just kind of hard to predict
1: who it's going to hit. Correct. Correct. It really is, and and um, I would be so curious actually to ask like an OB or a psychologist or a psychiatrist if they see like a pattern of personality mm, that is yeah. more predictive. Like I, I can't imagine that that that's the case. But I would just be just in my knowledge of who
0: I know who has maybe had it or who I've been concerned may have it. It seems
1: like there's
0: no real pattern. But that's yeah, yeah that's it's, just
1: it seems so random. Yeah, which is actually probably the hardest part about. Realizing that yeah you might be experiencing it. Yeah.
0: So I think that is why I was shocked to learn when we started looking at the research that mental health conditions like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety are the most common complication of pregnancy and childbirth.
1: I never realized that. No one's talking about that. Nobody said that to me. I mean, you think about it. You, you signed a lot of papers about all sorts of it, medical mishaps that can go wrong when you go to deliver right. a baby. And no nowhere did anybody tell me uh-uh. that, if, hey, FYI, statistically, this is the most common yeah. one. It was more like, if you have a C-section, you might hemorrhage and die. <laughs> Sign here that we're not liable. I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> well, and it affects approximately one in five women. Um, during pregnancy or the first year after being pregnant. That's a long
1: time period. Yeah. The first year after.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I never realized until I did the research that it can affect you during pregnancy,
1: like your friend. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, one in five is, is pretty common. If you think about, yeah. you know, your, think about your friend group, your yeah. friend group. It, that is pretty common. Um, there's another statistic though that you and I were talking about earlier and it was it was saying that the prevalence of postpartum depression was ranged from 9 to 20%, which I mean I guess the 20% is 1 in 5, but 9% just seems so so low. That said, You know, there is some information out there where experts are saying that a lot of women go undiagnosed or they just don't follow up. Or if they do, no, they haven't, they don't follow up.
0: Yeah, I think this is, in my opinion, I think this is probably a very low statistic than what actually occurs because I think there's probably, it's just so subtle and sneaks up on you, similar to depression um, outside of postpartum. but i think there's a lot of people who they know they're not themselves but you just had a baby so what are you supposed to feel like and i think a lot of and it just works they work their way out of it gradually as hormones balance out and and that kind of thing but i think there's probably it's probably much higher than probably 1 in 5 or 20% don't
1: yeah, you i i totally agree absolutely I mean, let's talk a little bit about like the difference between the baby blues and postpartum depression, because that's kind of that. It's a gray line in many oh, ways. Yeah. yeah. What is I mean, I, I honestly really didn't know till we
0: looked into it. And the baby blues are normal from what I understood, unless they stick around. Right. So baby blues is um, defined as just mild depression, not just mild depression, mild depression. Um, common to many new mothers. They say it affects approximately 50 percent and usually occurs immediately after birth. And it's characterized often by sudden mood swings that can range from euphoria, so being really happy, you know, excited about the baby, to intense sadness. Um, It can last a few hours. It can last as long as one to two weeks after delivery. Um, But they say this this is normal in about 50 percent of women so how do you kind of know when it you progress beyond that or when you may have postpartum Um, they say women who experience the baby blues are first off at increased risk for developing postpartum so that's that's good to know um, and it's characterized by more intense feelings of sadness, despair, anxiety, and irritability. I do want to say we're going to talk about symptoms in a second, and some of them will surprise you. So these are kind of the classic ones that they listed here. But um, And the symptoms are longer-lasting and can occur anytime time within the first year. Um, it often affects a mother's ability to function, and without medical attention, the symptoms can worsen.
1: So it's also interesting when you look at who can get postpartum depression, and and that I think is that was surprising to me. It's still surprising to me now. This this is new information to me. So it's any woman who's pregnant, uh, a woman who has had a baby within the past several months, a woman who has miscarried, or a woman who has recently—sorry, that's not just the end of the list—recently weaned a child from breastfeeding. Or adopted a child,
0: I never realized that, yeah, really
1: interesting, so i didn't realize it about miscarriage, and as someone who had multiple miscarriages, nobody told me that I needed you know that I could end yeah. up having postpartum depression um, and adopting a child, I mean, the life change is no different, but there isn't the hormonal shift in the same way and so i think that like that that is really fascinating to me to see like oh just the life change alone can yeah be kind of like the culprit
0: yeah yeah and what i found interesting is the symptoms because they're not they go way beyond the classic ones that you think like sadness irritability um you know not getting out of the house Um, so I'm going to go through some of those, some of them you would expect some of them though. I don't think you would, um, restlessness, anger, irritability, sadness, like you feel like crying a lot, worthlessness or guilt, fear of hurting yourself, um, or your baby overly worried about the baby or not concerned about the baby at all. Mm -hmm. So kind of two extremes, little or no energy, Headaches, chest pains, rapid heartbeat, numbness, tingling in the hands or feet, fast and shallow breathing, trouble
1: sleeping, poor eating ap- habits or loss of appetite, which sounds like you had. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I actually had some of these other symptoms. I think that trouble sleeping well is... Oh, I think that just, just makes it even worse. I mean, that's just... Well, it makes the your symptoms worse for sure. But I also feel like it's Unfair to put that in there. Like you just came home with a newborn.
0: That's that's
2: true.
1: (laughs) That's true. Probably a man that wrote this list. Um,
0: Trouble focusing, remembering or making decisions, little interest in things you used to enjoy, withdrawing from friends and family, having headaches, aches and pains or stomach problems that won't go away. And then another one that we saw in some, um,
1: some list was rage. Yeah,
0: which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I rage was one of those that uh, I did not realize. It took me a long time to learn that rage was a part of postpartum depression. Um, like, and even, you know, yes, the anger and the irritability part, but when anger and irritability lead to rage and an outburst is, and that's actually why I now look back and think that I did have postpartum anxiety after my second child was born. Because I had irritability and anger and just like bursts of rage. Oh, I'm sorry I wasn't around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a friend um, who after I got divorced, I went to go visit her. It had been I had been divorced about a year and I went to go visit and she was recalling this story of when she came to visit me when my younger daughter was four months old and what happened as we were getting ready to make dinner. And she goes – I, kn- I knew you well enough because we went to college together. She goes, I knew you well enough to know that something was off, but I didn't really understand and I definitely didn't understand enough to have the wherewithal to think that maybe there was something that needed to be done or changed. Yeah,
0: because irritability and anger and just I,
1: – I would not associate that with postpartum. Right. Me neither. No, because you think of like sadness and, mm-hmm. and like being in a dark room and not wanting to leave the house, but – I'll make the story really quick. So what did you do? They came to visit. Um, and like I said, Etta was four months old and Holland was three. Etta was a terrible sleeper, but nevertheless, this was not a result of exhaustion, or at least I don't think it was. Well, not so, above normal for a new mother. Right, exactly. Um so uh, my husband at the time went to the grocery store to get all of the ingredients to make dinner, and this was a phase of life where I was like, everything had to be made from scratch. I mean, I it was, uh. it was an intense phase of life uh, that I was in probably for too long, but nevertheless. So he went, he got all the ingredients, and for whatever reason, one of them was a type of cheese was a cheese, mm-hmm. and he got the wrong cheese. Now he didn't get the wrong variety of cheese; he got the wrong brand. Of cheese.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't like he got feta and it was supposed to be cheddar.
1: It was like he He got got sargento instead of craft. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently, because I have no recollection of this story at all, but apparently I like lost my bananas at him in front of my friends who like, I mean, she and I have known each other for a long time, so it's not too surprising, but it also is surprising because that wasn't Common for me to like, you know, tear down my husband in front of my friends. So anyway, I lost my bananas, and not only did I just lose my bananas, but I I told him that dinner was ruined, and I stormed out of the room.
0: That so does not sound like you. No, no. And I think it's interesting though that you have no recollection. You Zero. don't remember it. Zero. That's really interesting. Yeah. So rage is a real thing. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we said, how do you know, like, how long does it have to stick around? How long do the baby blues stick around? And, you know, they said the baby blues can be one to two weeks, but they say they typically go away in three to five days after they start. So you just really want to be aware when those baby blues stick around, when they're lingering a week, when they're lingering two weeks, and definitely when they linger beyond that.
1: I also think, too, that as women, you know, especially expectant mothers, like we might be inclined to look up what these signs and symptoms are. And it's really important that you share them with your family and your partner. Um, Because I really don't believe that we have the ability in that phase of life to necessarily diagnose ourselves.
0: No, and I think it's what is so crucial. I think this is with all kind of mental health issues. um, But particularly with postpartum is having some kind of trusted family member who knows the normal you around kind of like, it sounds like your mom encouraged you Um, and maybe not even necessarily your husband because they don't know what to expect. Right. You know, after, you know, you've had a baby, but someone like a mom or a sister or a very good friend to just, then I'll just say it's postpartum, but just like, you're not yourself because you really do need somebody to say that.
1: And I think also too, you know, not everybody is is exposed to caregivers in their postpartum like journey, but like our guest today who works, you know, a physical therapist who works with a lot of postpartum women and has like a whole section of her practice devoted to postpartum. And also um like postpartum doulas mm-hmm. who come into the house and and help out if that's somebody that you hire or even I have some friends and uh, who hired, like, night nurses to come in and help them overnight. Like, you get enough exposure to those kind of folks, and they see a lot of postpartum women that hopefully they get to – they can help. Yeah. But if you don't have that, you're right. You need that trusted person. And your significant other um, is also experiencing so much change that – it's I personally think it's unfair to expect them to be the only gatekeeper of that, yeah, that kind of
0: yeah, assessment. and I shouldn't have said husband, it get just your significant other, um, they just don't know what to expect if you're the one that has had the baby, right, right, yeah,
1: so. One of the things, of course, because we are the Happy Eating Podcast, is we wanted to look into diet and supplements and see if anything really could help, let's say, protect you from developing postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. Or help
0: maybe if you think you have it. Now, I think we both kind of want to say up front um, that – in our research, and this is kind of, I think, what we knew going into the research too, that we we did not find any one nutrient, food, anything like that, that will alleviate your postpartum, prevent your postpartum. And we are not at all suggesting that nutrition or eating or taking supplements or foods should be used as a treatment or your primary treatment at all. Correct. But taking – making sure you have these key nutrients is – they're ones you need anyway. And, you know, you don't want to be lacking these if you are at risk for this or if you are – do have – develop postpartum.
1: Right. Right. And some of them, as we go through them, are important for your own physical health. But also, if you are breastfeeding, Mm. can be beneficial to your baby as well. So, like you said, these are valuable nutrients no matter what. Right. Right. Um. Okay, so I will say, too, that as we looked into this, this was another one of those where the research was sparse. Mm-hmm. I'm not that surprised because you don't exactly want to take a postpartum woman who... May or may not have postpartum depression, but has some depressive symptoms, and just say, "Hey, let's run you through a trial and not give you the medication yeah. that you might need. Yeah, let's just give you a supplement let's see what and happens. see what happens." <laughs> That's not going to happen. So, I wasn't surprised that the research was slim, um, but there were a couple uh, there were a couple supplements that stood out at me that that when you know when we dived in, we were like, "Oh wow, like this is promising." Um, should we go through them? Yeah. All right. So, iron, um, iron was was one that looked like it could be a value. And so here's the thing: is that postpartum anemia is fairly common. Let's let's you know not to get too graphic, but there's often a lot of blood lost, and mm-hmm. and some lose more than others. Um, but postpartum or postpartum anemia is fairly common. It said that in high income countries, it's 10 to 30 percent of postpartum women can be anemic. Yeah. Well, and from a Nutrition 101
0: perspective,
1: um, when we get to this like
0: area of the life cycle, their recommendation is that you have your babies 18 months apart. And one of the reasons for that is because your iron stores are not back up to normal until 12 to 18 months in your body. Wow. Isn't that interesting. So you are
1: going to be depleted and building those up. Right. And that's part of what you need to be doing in your postpartum year plus yeah. is building those back. And most back
0: people up. continue to take like their prenatal which has higher iron. But it's good to be aware of um
1: as well. Yeah. Well, and as someone who didn't take my post my or my prenatal vitamin very well mm-hmm. during or after, like I almost wish that that had really been ingrained in my brain, like just Start Take by it. taking your prenatal vitamin during your you know postnatal time. So there was a study that was um, done in postpartum women that were anemic, and this one stood out. It was it wasn't a very large study, but nevertheless, it was interesting. So one in this in the study, they took these postpartum women who were anemic. They were all evaluated for depression, and they scored somewhere on. The depression scale for the postnatal depression okay anyway the group that got the iron supplement saw a significant reduction in their postpartum depression scores those who got the the placebo there really wow. wasn't that much of a change so that in and of itself i think just goes to show like like you said at least you know getting in what you get in your prenatal can be really helpful and already if you need to be building up your scores then i would say absolutely like consider it that said do talk to a practitioner yeah you never want to take iron supplements alone
0: like just you don't want to self-diagnose yourself you definitely want to have blood work done because you have to fine-tune it and then adjust it and yeah
1: exactly and so there there are you don't want to overdo it no um too much not necessarily in the world of overdoing it but just too much in general can lead you to be constipated okay this one feels a little obscure but i thought it was really fascinating okay so saffron supplementation was another study that i found and i feel like saffron is not all that common in our culture In other cultures it can be Mm -hmm. a more common ingredient and it can be expensive but The findings were so fascinating. So again, we are talking about postpartum women who are diagnosed with depression using different scoring methods, right? And they either – I was surprised that they even did this study. But one group um, either got Saffron or the other group got Prozac. And what they found – Whoa. Yeah, right? Again, that's why I'm like, oh, I can't believe they did it. Now, this was a really small study. It was only like just over 30 women. But anyway – They studied them for six weeks, and what they found was that the saffron was actually a really safe and effective alternative to Prozac for mild to moderate postpartum depression because 40% of the patients who got the saffron and 50% of the patients who got the Prozac all had a really great response to taking it and lowering their depression scores. Yeah. Wow. I know. Now, again, like, don't don't do this in place of taking something. But I do think that it is interesting because some people don't respond well to antidepressants Mm -hmm. um, or have trouble finding the right one or the right dosage. Yeah. All right, one more. I feel like nobody's going to be surprised when I say this one. (laughs) Um, Omega-3 supplements. So not surprising, right? We talk a lot about the benefits of omega-3s for your general mental wellness but again this was like two groups where or sorry this one actually was was three groups everybody got omega 3s in this one um again postpartum women with depressive a history of a depressive episode in that time period mm-hmm. um They got three different levels of taking omega-3 supplements that were – and the omega-3s, as you always recommend, Carolyn, it was a combination of EPA and DHA. Anyway, all three groups, regardless of the amount, at the end of the study all had a significant improvement in their depression scores. Wow. Did the higher
0: dosage have a greater improvement?
1: There was no, like, you know how they measure statistics, like there has to be a significant difference. There was no significant difference between any of the groups. So when they looked at group one, group two, and group three, all three groups lowered their depression scores. And then when they compared one to two to three, there was no significant difference in any of their improvement, if that makes sense. So the answer, I guess, would be no, taking more did not yield a better response, because the low-dose group and the high-dose group, neither did better. Well, again, this goes back to keep taking your prenatal. Yeah, because a lot of prenatals nowadays have omega-3s <coughs> in them. I know mine didn't. Well,
0: this was a while ago, too. Um, but so my doctor gave me a DHA EPA supplement to yeah. take when I, while I was pregnant.
1: Well, and I, re- I definitely remember that, like, when I was pregnant with Holland, my older daughter, I don't remember Omega-3s really being in there. But when Edda came around, there were more supplements, prenatals, Same. that had them in it. They
0: didn't suggest I take this extra Omega-3 supplement with Madeline. But yeah. then fast forward a couple of years later, and it was like, when I was pregnant again, they were like, oh, yeah, you need to take this. Yeah.
1: And that just goes to show to me, like, how... Um, much science can evolve like especially yeah. for that age and stage of of life. Yeah. So those were the three omega 3s, saffron and iron and you know just going back to general health, omegas and iron are really important at that time of life anyway. It's great to have it especially if you're breastfeeding because your baby can reap the benefits of it mm-hmm. too. Saffron is going to be anti-inflammatory, but again like we're we're not going to tell you to replace your yeah. anti and I don't know anyway. what contraindications <laughs>
0: might be for breastfeeding. I don't know much about saffron at
1: all. And I, again, me neither. Like I think it's because it's a cult, yeah. more of a cultural thing.
0: But I think overall, the big takeaway was that the main treatment and typically the best treatment was talk therapy and uh, prescription
1: medication. Exactly. Yeah, and I firmly believe that you really need that talk therapy component in addition to that prescription medication. I think that it – in many ways, just speaking from a personal perspective, in many ways it normalized what I was going through because I was having talk therapy. So like the symptoms improved with the medication, but the talk therapy was like, hey, some of this is normal mom stuff. Some of this is normal postpartum stuff. And some of this is – or sorry, and some of this is common or typical for postpartum depression, right? And so that part, I think, is is yeah. is really valuable to make sure that even if someone isn't recommending talk therapy, that maybe you try and seek it out. Yeah, I would agree. So today's guest is a physical therapist, which might feel like a a sharp turn in another direction for this particular podcast. And this topic. That's true. That's also true what she's doing as a physical therapist, particularly for postpartum, is really innovative and fascinating. And um, I consider it progressive because the kind of treatment that is offered in her facility, which she'll talk about, is not something that I'd ever been exposed to before.
0: Um, I don't think we could get it here in Alabama.
1: No, no. And so talking to her just to kind of elevate, A, what they're doing, and B, kind of give all of our listeners some suggestions for how to kind of recreate that experience for themselves, I think is worth highlighting and mentioning. But also... I think people forget
0: that physical health can have a huge impact on your mental health.
1: It's so true. So
0: first off, you are coming, you know, home... Um, having gone through labor or C-section, your body is in some pain. It's not feeling like itself. You may not be able to do certain things. Well, you, I mean, you can't. You couldn't go run three miles around the block. I mean, oh, gosh, you, you're no. not. You've got physical limitations that, for a lot of women, you've never experienced
1: not being able to do something before. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Especially if you're uh, if you're active. Yeah and then all of a sudden you're like, well wait a minute, I used to be able to like even just walk around the block or walk to get the mail or drag out the the trash can. And as you're leaving the hospital, the nurse is like, don't pick up anything heavier than your baby. Yeah. You're like,
0: it's very humbling, but it also I think particularly if you're active, it can be very kind of depressing. Very. Yeah. I think if you had postpartum depression, Physical changes or things that take a while to heal or just those physical limitations of things that you could do before you had the baby can be even more impactful on your mental health totally agree,
1: totally agree and then if you layer in like a complication that you might have right and and our our guest goes through that today, but you layer in a complication that requires additional treatment I mean just the The sheer mental load and the challenge of, like, getting to that appointment. I mean, that in and of itself can feel heavy. Yeah. And what I think is so
0: interesting, and she's going to share more, but our guest shared that, you know, most postpartum women come to her for a physical ailment. Right. And then in working with her and just talking and uncovering things, it can often lead to... Her realizing there's more going on.
1: Right. Exactly. And referring out or utilizing other services that their office mm-hmm. off or their, their practice offers. It's almost like she's another first, like, line of defense or help. Yeah, it's fabulous. In the same way that, like, your OB could be.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. It's Gail Picalis. She's a licensed physical therapist in Southern California who's been practicing for over 30 years. Her broad clinical experience ranges from neurological and orthopedic conditions to cancer rehabilitation, women's health and chronic pain syndromes she established her own practice and facilities called rehab specialist in 1987 which has been providing full service care and therapeutics to clients of all ages since the first location opened in Santa Monica the company has grown into five clinics led by Gail rehab specialist boast a team of highly trained licensed physical therapists that specialize in many therapeutic disciplines Gail has developed specialized programs addressing the physical therapy needs of many conditions. Gail lives in Los Angeles and has four children and five grandchildren. Gail, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. We've been talking about this episode for
1: a couple months now, so I'm glad that we finally were able to corral everybody's calendar and make it come to fruition.
2: Yeah, it takes time, you know, with women who are... Working, have a family, and and more than double-tasking, triple-tasking <laughs> at everything we do. That is so true. That is so true.
1: And also, at some point in all of our planning, you welcomed another grandchild into the mix.
2: Yes, in the middle of everything, yeah. and uh, it's. Uh, I mean, what a change between, you know, seeing my my grandchildren here in Los Angeles grow, who are now pre-adolescents and. And tweens, I guess. And now a new baby again. It was it was very interesting actually being there and staying with, you know, my son and daughter in law going through the throes of, you know, a two week, three week old baby. So and made me think about all of these things that we're going to address. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Good point. I know, well. See, so that worked out very well, actually, for
1: everybody involved. Yeah. For the podcast, that is, right. selfishly.
0: We have been so intrigued by your company ever since we first discovered it, I guess, early this summer. Yeah. Um, Because it's quite – well, we live in Alabama, so it is very – it's quite unique from anything we see here. And we just fell in love with the holistic approach to it.
1: Yeah, and and it's just – it seems very um, progressive and and advocating for – the whole person exactly I was trying to think of a good way to put it that's a perfect way to put it so tell us a little bit about um...
0: I guess how you kind of how you took physical therapy to this new level because you're not you you're physical therapist by training but you have taken this to a whole nother level
2: uh well I think it developed holistically because um, as I was treating Men and women, um, I would see so many conditions that were not addressed. Um, you know, when I first started in physical therapy, the concept—I mean, what one thought of physical therapy—is you know you're treating an orthopedic condition, basically, mm-hmm. or a neurological condition. But um, there were so many problems that um, we can't—we could address through dealing with the body and rehabilitation. And I think it started actually for me with um, pregnancy and postpartum because it was actually in one of my labor and deliveries that the nurse said to me, oh, are you interested in working with pregnant women? And I said, sure. I mean, I think that's the most fun there is. And so that started you know started off seeing all of the problems that women experience during pregnancy and postpartum no one else was really doing that and it also i think along with the times there was um through the american physical therapy association a new edition um elizabeth noble who is like kind of the mother of women's health from australia and um And Europe and Australia were like far ahead of us in the United States in in women's health, particularly. Um, And so that it was easy to kind of develop that program. And then once I started seeing women and working with different OBGYNs, um, I would get referrals for um, post-oncological patients, women who had had mastectomies. And five years later, no one had ever done anything for them, but they had all the side effects of chemotherapy and radiation and and surgery, and also surgery way back then was far more aggressive than it is now. But um, had they'd really had severe um, dysfunction, just because there had been no rehabilitation, so I. I I guess as I saw people that had problems that were not addressed, I said, well, why don't we address it?
1: That's a great segue because I, I wanted to ask you to like talk a little bit more about what it is that you offer postpartum women or, you know, and what kind of, to piggyback off of that, what other or what are the main conditions that you feel like you're seeing with postpartum women?
2: There are so many and a lot of them kind of trans, um, transition from pregnancy because, you know, you see someone during pregnancy and you have, um, a lot of pelvic joint pain. Um, you know, women will come in and like, ah, I can't walk. Well, you're, you know, the the joints in their pelvis have been affected because of all of the hormones. So that, that low back pain, sciatic pain, carpal tunnel, um, just, um, swelling edema so all of those kind of um it's not like you have the baby and oh i'm back to normal (laughs) my (laughs) body's just like it was but that's no way it's never
0: like it was Uh, But that's kind of the way we act yeah you know as female or as women um like oh yes yes a week later we should be
2: normal
1: (laughs) right right we've expelled this thing from our body so let's just get on with
2: it and we go about our life as if we're normal because the demands don't stop they only increase very true so so then what so what we see generally um i would see one of the main things is a diastasis recti which is the abdominal muscles, um, a separation of those. And that, you know, unless it's very, very severe, that can be treated just by the proper knowledge and the proper exercise and the proper support and taking away that anxiety and that fear that like, you know, if you see all of a sudden like your stomach is just, um, there's, there's no support and there's this big separation, there's like, oh my God, what's happening to my body? You know, I don't want this for the rest of my life. I got to get this fixed. And so, you know, the diastasis is one thing. The other thing is stress incontinence. I mean, you know, you, you laugh, you cough, and you have urinary incontinence. So nobody wants to like, feel like, oh my gosh, do I have that now for the rest of my life? So being able to to treat that. And, um, the other one is, uh, I mean, there's so many, um, neck pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, upper back mm-hmm. pain from <laughs> caring and holding a baby, you know, at a time where you're most fatigued and you're not sleeping. And then on, and you're up all the time and you're like caring and holding a baby and nursing mm, right. that creates all kinds of musculoskeletal issues. Um, there is, um, you know, again, the low back pain, the sciatic pain, all of that, uh, muscle weakness, you know, you, if someone is used to going to Pilates or exercising or running or anything and feeling like they have control over their body. And then all of a sudden they're like, they don't have that, um, capacity. Their muscles are weak. Their they, their core is weak. Um they want it. I hear it's like, I just want to get back into shape. You know, I want to get back. I want to get back to my yoga. I want to get back to Pilates. And so really rehabilitating the body so that you can do that safely Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of integrate what you, what you've done before.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's that element too of, of yes, you know, I think as, as women, we want to get get our bodies back and, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because there's so, that could, that could just be an endless rabbit hole. But there's also the part about getting back, like you were saying, in, into, into enough shape that you could be able to go back to your Pilates or your yoga or your running and the, that, what that can do for your mental wellness, right? I mean, that's, like that I feel like is a, is a big part that, you know, I don't know that we all really, you know, as mothers, like I don't know that I really thought about it. Like I was excited to go and, and exercise again, but I couldn't – I was thinking more about, okay, how am I going to finagle the time to do that and like the feedings and, you know, and all of those things. Um, gosh, and then you get out there and you're like, wow, this is not – this does not feel like it felt before. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it,
2: yeah. Well, what, what I thought was a challenge. Go ahead. I was going to say it's a challenge. And the most important thing is, um, I mean, what, what we advocate for, and it's hard, but is that at every um, usually six is it like four to six to eight weeks postpartum visit, the midwife or the the physician would say, you know, I just want you to have a physical therapy assessment. You know, make sure your pelvic floor muscles, you know, that they're that they're going to be strong. Um, that there's nothing, you know, that you're that you're ready to go back structurally, or the, maybe you just need some some correct basic exercises to supplement so that you're doing everything correctly. so the most vulnerable parts of your body are not being strained or hurt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. certainly the pelvic floor comes into that because nobody, I think, knows as is educated about their pelvic floor muscles, which are voluntary muscles. Um, until pregnancy and postpartum i mean no one teaches you about those muscles and if if you're not if you have go through childbirth multiple times by the time you're you know 40 50 60 if you haven't voluntarily you know exercised those muscles that's when you know you have all of the the epidemic of, of incontinence during menopausal years so it's so it's such a critical time to to teach women to like okay here are the parts of your body that really need to be strong you know for everything you're going to go through
0: yeah yeah what i thought was so interesting when we've been communicating getting ready for this interview is You said women who are pregnant or postpartum come to you because of the physical ailments. But you end up treating them for so much more, more from the whole body perspective that includes their mental health. And you're often the one or your therapist who may subtly point out or suggest a therapy that to address maybe some anxiety or postpartum depression or um, which I thought was just so interesting. And I think it goes back to us being women and busy and not, you know, we have this physical pain, but and we just don't have time to deal with or even stop to think, right. is the rest of us okay?
2: <laughs> right, right. And that's why I think it's such a great opportunity because you do, you develop a relationship, with your patient, and when some when they're coming in with pain or dysfunction, and they haven't slept, especially when I'm thinking, I'm thinking of um, um, the clogged melt ducts, mm-hmm. which I didn't mm-hmm. mention before. I mean, you're you know you're trying to nurse, you can't nurse. The baby's fussy. You're tired. Um, so you you you're dealing with all of the manifestations of that, of that problem. And of course, the emotional um, and psychological effects are right up there in front. I mean, you, you know, and so like, you can be doing a, you know, a massage or a, let's say an, an ultrasound. I'm thinking of, of when we work on clogged milk ducts or breast milk ducts. Um, And we're talking. So you're talking about what it's like you know, mm-hmm. to have this new baby, to, you know, be worried about going back to work, to be not being sleeping. Um, so you you start that conversation and and develop a therapeutic relationship.
0: Well it's all almost that's why it's so imp- Yeah, I'm sorry. It's almost like a mini you know, therapy was say, session. So
2: then from there yeah, and so from there you can say, you know, I know this person or are you interested or you know, it's a um, you know, we have these resources that is um, that normally someone who was at home wouldn't, like you said, like women just don't take the time to say, oh, well, I need to go to this person today and I need to go to that person today because you're doing a million other things.
1: Right. But right. I,
0: I never really stopped to think until you were saying um, how your therapist, you know, talk to the women and yeah. have conversation, but That may be the only adult conversation that mom has during like a 12 hour block. Yeah. So it really is almost, you know, a little bit of just, you know, nice to talk with somebody and particularly if it's another female, you know, someone who can relate and the mom can vent if she needs to or
2: be reassured. Yeah, because you do hear like, do you see this with other women? So it's reassuring that it's not just, you know, you that's going through this. Right.
1: Yeah. Which is always a comfort. I mean, I feel like I often say when I'm talking with friends and, and they'll share something and I'll say, you know, that's hard or challenging or or whatever. And I'll say, you know, I'm really sorry that you're going through that, but I also appreciate you sharing because it's nice to know that it's not just me, right? You know, there there's that kind of like you know, camaraderie, um, and or just to say, like, oh, okay, like, in some ways, this is not atypical, you know, like, I can find a I can find different outlets for help. But it also is nice to know that I'm falling within the typical realm of what might happen, you know, postpartum.
2: Yeah,
0: can you tell us? A little bit more about the services that a woman who came in, maybe for a physical ailment for postpartum, but once she got in there and you realize there may be more things going in. What kind of services rehab specialists um, might provide? I know you mentioned acupuncture. I know you mentioned ultrasound, and then of course your your traditional physical therapy. But what, what what all um, what all does your company provide or offer or, yeah. or even suggest?
2: Yeah. So we, um, we are very much based in hands-on. So there's a lot of different kinds of different kinds of massages. So, but definitely hands-on treatment. So um, whether it's um, a lymphatic massage or, you know, a deep tissue massage, just hands-on work. Um, we do a lot of different kinds of exercise. I mean, between yoga based exercise, Pilates based exercise, um, there, there's, we have, well, we do aquatics cause we have a pool. So, um, that's great. A, it's a warm water pool and well, I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's fantastic. And um so we do a lot of that we do it just a lot of different um modalities you know uh whether it's ultrasound or neuromuscular stimulation um um, so i'm trying to think of what else between um our hands-on our exercise our different modalities our pool um and y'all do acupuncture, or do you do you send them out? We for that, refer. They, we do refer? not because we're not okay.
0: licensed,
2: but we refer to acupuncture. So it's it's yes. a
0: part of your bigger treatment plan.
2: Oh yeah, which, yes, which I, I love part that part of our bigger. Treatment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. place, your your yeah. um. That sounds fabulous. I'm kind of glad I'm not postpartum. I might be tempted to just get on a plane and uh, go move in there. And go, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say that. I mean, I, I would Google um, like women's health physical therapy in your area. I, you know, I have to believe that with so many of the different continuing education courses, there are PTs from all over the United States. And if someone was looking for, and I definitely think someone who is pregnant, postpartum has any women's health issue should go to a women's PT specialist because I have had patients come to me who've been to other PTs who just do, you know, normal, who, you know, sports injuries or, or um, rehab after like a total knee or total, uh, total hip. And it's different. It's totally different. I mean, you might be an excellent clinician, but it's a, um, different physiology, anatomy, um, and approach.
1: I love how you gave advice to, to folks who are not in your area, right. Where you had said like Google women's health, physical therapy, like try and seek out like a women's PT specialist. Like those are, that's great concrete advice. And so if you can, wear both your therapist hat and your grandmother mother hat at the same time. What kind of advice do you feel like what what is what advice would you give to all postpartum moms?
2: Well, first of all, ask your doctor anyway, at six to eight, when you go for your postpartum checkup, say you'd like to see a physical therapist just to make sure that you know, your pelvic floor is, is rehabilitating correctly that you're ready to go back to any activity that you'd like to go back to. So that at least ask, they might say like, what are you talking about? I don't know, but say, look, I have, you know, I found this name or I'm, I'm interested. Give me a prescription. Um, and then I would say, um, Definitely start with Kegels. I mean, that sounds so basic, but don't forget about your pelvic floor because it's you know it's there are their muscles that need to be strengthened and it's going to catch up with you later. So you know do Kegels. Um, But if you could go to a PT and learn how to do them correctly, that's even better because basically a doctor just says, well, just squeeze, 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 squeeze. But that's not correct. And when people do that, what you see is their face squeezing, their shoulders squeezing, everything else, but probably the right muscles squeezing.
1: (laughs) I'm squeezing right now. (laughs) Yes, yes. Right.
2: So that, you know, that um, learn how to, you know, get back your core because that's going to protect your back in the long term. And do something physical that you enjoy. You know, it's so easy to get to get caught and in, like inside the house, not get out of your pajamas taking care of that newborn baby and as soon you know, do whether it's starting with walking, um whatever it is, do, you know, and um find find some kind of of exercise that you know you can stick with unfortunately it's easier now because of you know zoom and and all the digital uh programs that you that you can do but you know trying what's good about going to a professional at least once or twice is to get you on the right track find something that works for you and that's healthy right yes i mean and yes and again, go go to a dietitian and nutritionist so that you are you you know you've got the right fuel in your body to get you back to feeling well so it's it's a combination you know find your resources and and at least get those um so that you you have a good basis for continuing. so I'm just thinking if I put on my my mother grandmother hat when I was back in New York with my daughter-in-law who was three weeks postpartum, she was like, I'm, I'm ready. I want to go back running. I'm ready. I want to go back running. And I kept saying, you know, don't even think about, you know, we went on walks together. So, you know, we, we would walk. And then I said, just wait till you go back to your doctor, check out, you know, that everything um, is stable. You know, that your uterus has gone down, that your pelvic floor is, functioning and, um, before you just, you know, push. So, but yeah. she, you know, she was feeling that like, I got, I got to get out of this apartment and I've got to, I've got to go back running. And, and I was like, yes, but let's, you know, do these other things first.
1: Right. Right. I mean, it's a big transition when you are, like you said, you're wearing your what your pajamas or your comfy clothes a lot and you're staying inside and, Um, it's, it's a really big transition for, for everybody in the whole family, really.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's the hardest transition there is. You feel like you're on another planet. Also, you know, um, getting in different mommy groups, you know, Mm -hmm. so that, that you're sharing with other people so you don't feel isolated. Yeah.
1: Right. That's a great tip. That really is like find Try and find a group. Yeah. Um, in your, you know, there, there are, that kind of support, I feel like, has really taken off. I don't know about here because I didn't have my children here in Alabama, but um, I, I definitely have friends in other parts of the country that have had great,
2: great I feel success. Like even more so yeah. since we've had kids.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's just important that women, again, don't feel isolated and, and know they have resources, I love that. That's
1: great. I mean, that's great advice. And on a side note, you know, thank you for circling it back to some of the mental health stuff too, because we really, that didn't click in my brain, right? Yes. Pain, like perpetual pain does lead to stress and anxiety and depression.
0: Well, Gail, thank you so much for joining us today. And we are going to put your website for rehab specialists in the show notes. Everybody can check it out because you offer a ton of services outside of this postpartum care and and I think like I mentioned earlier I just love your whole
2: body approach it's it it works I mean you know that's what we are I mean
1: <laughs> yeah I think once you experience once you see it and experience physical therapy I, I mean you you realize you're like wow th- I mean this is powerful very powerful I only wish that I had done it in my postpartum journey
2: Throughout your journey, there's usually like an opportunity to like say, well, wait, this isn't working like I want it to work. I wonder if they can help me. Yes, exactly. So, totally agree. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I look forward to anything else I can work with you on. Same, Excellent. Thank same, you. Same, now enjoy Gail. the rest of
1: your vacation. No problem. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye, Gail. Bye-bye.